Hello everybody, I'm Dane Gentry. This is going to be reality part three. This is going to be the reality of a drug addict, the life of me. Um, I talked about it before. My drug addiction really took off at the age of 17 uh, because of a pill called Dilaudid, A4 Dilaudid. Um, and what I found out is that how, how many people addiction started with that or really took off. I was already an addict, but really took off with this thing here. Um, I don't ever really remember being sick from it. I remember just wanting it really bad. Um, I don't remember the sickness part with it. But we started doing some research around the different things and come up with the idea that I would go get on methadone. Methadone is used to get you off of drugs. Um, but it's just another drug, an even more powerful one, that gets you even higher. There's so many people have wrecks and all these different things, but it's legal. You can go to the clinic and get it as long as you got the money to pay for it. So I started going to Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, getting it. There wasn't a clinic. Or there was one in Nashville, but they were real strict. So no drug addicts. We want as easy as we can get it. And so we started going to Chattanooga. And uh, we would drive there and back. Each, and it was an hour and a half each way. Um, and throughout this time, of course, you accumulate charges. I did. And I would go to jail, and then I'd make bonds. And so you'd pay a bondsman 10% or whatever it was, and you'd get out. And then they were responsible to make sure that you went to court. If you did not go to court, and so much time passed, they would have to pay the oh, the whole bond off. So I had these warrants on me, and um, I uh, thought it'd be better, you know, rent a motel room down in Dalton, Georgia. It was like right across the state line there, and so that's what I started doing. And um, there was a guy whose girlfriend was going, and uh, he decided he wanted he had to have a ride. He was on drugs, junked out or whatever. He needed a ride to Chattanooga. So what's he do? He goes to the bondsman, tells him I'm down there. Rides down there uh, with him to get me. This man's name is Mo Hatcher. He's one of the biggest pieces of shits I've ever met in my life. But anyway, um, so one morning, bright and early, because you get it real early, you go real early in the morning to get it. And um, uh, I go to walk into it, and a handcuff slaps around my left wrist. And uh, it was a woman. It was a woman who owned a bonding company. It was her and her husband and, uh, and her son were there. And when this happens, people inside see it and start saying something about it. So the main counselor the who was over the place comes out and tells them, take the handcuff off him right now. You go to jail yourself. You're not allowed to be on this property doing that. It's a treatment facility. This, that, and the other. So they took the handcuffs off, and he made them go outside the gate. Um, and the woman was actually friends with my mother and different things. So I, I really wouldn't want to do it wrong. It's just I didn't want to go to jail because of my drug addiction and all these different things. So they're like, well, you can stay right here on the port if you want to. And um, there's nothing they can do. You can sleep out here all night. Well, then we come up with it. It's going to give me methadone, enough methadone for a week. And I would go to jail. Jail would give it to me. And then my mother would, would get me more and keep bringing it to me. And the nurse would in the jail would give it to me. So um, I go back to jail, or I go to jail. This is my really the first time I really spent any significant time in there. At this time, I just had some misdemeanor charges and stuff like that. And so um, I think I... I ended up with 11, 29 cents or something, but as I was about, I don't know, 60 days in it, maybe 45, something like that, the nurse calls me up there and says, I'm going to do a 10-day detox on you that uh, I'm not licensed to give you methadone. And my exact words was, you don't fucking give it to me. No way. My mom brings it here. I give it to myself. It's just an excuse because other people in jail were complaining. He didn't get methadone, you know, and all this stuff. And that's how these grown, uh, anyway, grown ass men act like little girls, basically. And so um, this was my real first experience with the detox.
And I remember, oh, man, it was the worst thing ever because I had the restless leg and restless body, and I couldn't understand it. It was like up in my arms and stuff. And I tried to lay down, and there is no rest. And, you know, I'm 18 years old, and so I couldn't imagine someone who's, you know, 50 or 60. On, there's been people who's been on it for a long, long time. It's that gets in your bones and all this different stuff. So when that happened, I started acting like a fool in this jail. And they up front, they had what was called, in, like up in the booking part of the jail, they had what's called Pebble Beach. And uh, what it is, it's just a concrete slab. It's ice cold. They put me up there with nothing but a pair of boxers on. No mattress, no nothing. And I stayed like this for days. Um, and I should have never been treated that way, but I was. But I finally had enough, man. I finally, you know, got pissed off about it. And so I'd start cussing them all and this, that, and the other. And there was this one man who uh, worked third shift. And um, his name was Sergeant Murdick. And um, he was always going up there and thought it was funny. You know what I mean? And, and so they had a drain in the middle of the floor. So I took that drain and started working it back and forth, back and forth. And the, the top part of it come off. You know, it's just like a little piece of steel round, you know, like over a drain cover. About six inches, you know, something like that. And so I started cussing him back. And I was saying things that I knew would, would cause him to open that door. And I wanted him to because my thought was I'm going to sling as hard as I can and hit him in the head with it because I was pissed. The way I was being treated and what was going on. And so he goes to open that door and I sling it. And he barely was able to pull his head back and it knocked the whole plastic glass and everything out of the door. And I'm glad it didn't hit him because it probably would have killed him. But, um, I talked to him into giving me a mattress and again, it's freezing cold. I mean, I've got nothing but boxers on, no socks on. It's just, I've been freezing like this for days and days. And, uh, so they brought the mattress in there and I tore it open at the top and climbed in it like a sleeping bag. And man, I was good and warm and I just got there and I was feeling good. And, um, they come in there taking it away from me because I climbed inside of it. You know, they were just dicks, man. Uh, all because I was just going through withdrawal. I was sick. That's the only thing it was. I wasn't doing anything. I was, might have been, you know, raising hell a little bit with my voice or whatever, but I wasn't other than throwing that thing at them or whatever. So I don't remember exactly how long I was up there like that. And uh, then they, they let me out of that and give me a job working out on a county highway. And so um, what they would do is they would take – X amount of prisoners out. You would either go pick up trash or you go build some fences or you would do, you know, who knows what. And so my job, we was building fences and it was like 10 of us. And we'd just sit in the back of this truck. Well, we'd go to this little co-op and uh, we'd pull around back and get fence wire, fence posts and all these different things. Well, while we're sitting there, somebody would run around the back of it and there's a liquor store right there. And they'd go in there and they'd buy a couple of fists of vodka and we'd all get drunk all day. And then, of course, back in, it's just a lot different. People were dropping pot, pot off and just whatever. And, and so that's kind of how I spent my next, however long it was. And then um, I got out of jail and um, immediately went straight and got back on methadone the next day. Um, and then this is where the real crime started. I started doing more um, just theft stuff again, as I talked about before. And, um, and so I accumulated a bunch of felonies. Well, uh, I'm on the run again. You know, I had four different bonding companies looking for me. I, all kind of stuff went on and, uh, just, I had a bunch of evading. Um, one time I was, they had had me and I was arrested and, um, the girl I was dating, she had a warrant on her or something too. She wasn't a drug addict. I don't remember what it was really, what she had, what they want her for, but they had me too. I'm in handcuffs on the back of the car and he runs my name. And it comes back negative. No warrants on me. And the cop looked at me and he said, me and you both know you have warrants, but it's your lucky day, and he let me go. Well, the next day, um, 
that girl, she was getting out of jail, and she calls me, and she says, you need to leave. They're coming to get you right now. You need to leave. And so me and someone else got in my car, and we were leaving, and we uh, was on this road. It's called Long Lane in Franklin, and uh, it's out by the interstate or whatever. And uh, as we started down here, here come this county police officer, and uh, or sheriff, he's a sheriff. And I saw him. Our eyes met, and he turned around. And I had a like a little Datsun 280, and it was pretty fast. And um, I took off, boom, gone, you know, left him. And then um, uh, I went and parked on the back of this road for, I don't know, about an hour. And the person that's with me got out because they had like a pro violation or something on them warrant. I don't remember what it was. And they got out. And so I leave, I get to a stop sign, I'm going to take a left. I take the left, and there that same cop is again. And I outrun him again. Um, I got away right then. And then uh, later on, they ended up getting me a detective I didn't know ended up getting me. Um, so they take me to jail, and so I know I'm stuck now, man. I know that they, they, they got me or whatever, and somehow or another, man. Oh, that's right. I remember my mother, they um, had paid her income tax check twice, and so that money was able to bond me out, get me out of jail, so I got out. While I'm out on bond, I get more charges. And so here I am again. I'm on the run again, and then um, they were looking for me really, really hard, and, and so one day they just – made it up their mind they was going to get me and ended up getting a dude who was my friend at the time and um then they got me later on that day and uh that's where i i did my at this up to this point i was going to do my longest amount of time and so i go to court finally you know after so long and they tell me they're going to give me 10 years probation and uh suspended after i think 200 days or something like that well i had already done that time i already done the days and so that same guard, the next morning that I was talking about, had that incident with that night. Me and him actually become to respect each other, believe it or not. He turned out to be a really good man. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He's passed away now. But the next morning I was going through the, the chow line to get breakfast, and he said, he always called me by my first and middle name, Walter Dane. He never would call me Gentry. He never would call me just Dane. And he said, what did they do to you in court? And I said, uh, oh, I got some probation. You know, I said, I got so many X amount of days to do. I said, I need you to go up there and get – my probation paperwork because I got to fill it out for probation officer. Code. He said, all right. So I go back to my cell or whatever. About two hours later, I hear him hollering my name. So I'm thinking he's got the paperwork. I was trying to go to sleep. And I come out and he said, pack your shit. You're going home, you know. Uh, um, the, you only had to do X amount of days. You've already done them. And so uh, I get out. And my mother had moved to Texas at this time. And I spent a couple of days or whatever in Franklin and, uh, the next day, I was going to um, go and fly out to Texas. Well, while I was in jail that time, that 10 months right there, um, I had a guy that had brought me some pot in or whatever, and uh, uh, he told on me at the same time. Um, he was supposed to do 90 days on a weekend. He never come back down to the weekend. Anyway, I got caught with it. But they never said anything, man. They never put me in a hole for it, and I never heard anything at all. Well, I'm talking to someone on a payphone. And we got me a bus ticket the next day. I'm going to Houston or whatever. And um, this cop pulls in there and he says, I need to see some ID. You look, like, you look like a runaway in the area. And I said, I'm 20 years old, man. Who am I running from? And um, I, even though I did look young or whatever, he was just a way for him to mess with me. He runs my name and comes over putting handcuffs on me. You got a warrant on you. And I'm like, man, I just got out of jail. How have I got a warrant on me? And so they take me to jail and it was an indictment for that week. What actually went on is that the DA thought he would let me 
take the probation on mother charges and then introduce that charge and violate my probation. But he couldn't because that happened before I ever took the probation. It happened back in like January. I took the probation in March or something. And uh, so I ended up getting 90 more days of that. So I do 90 days and uh, my brother's coming to get me. I'm getting out on a Sunday. My brother's coming to get me and his brother-in-law. Um, and so I can see them. I'm up, I'm up front in the wholesale waiting on them to do my paperwork, you know, let me out. And I can look out there. I see my brother. I see my little nephew. He's a baby then. And uh, he's like a year or two, uh, probably two, maybe even three. He may have been something something like that. And so um, uh, the guard up front, he says, I'm going to run an NCIC check. And what that is, it's like a nationwide criminal check on you, see if there's any charges anywhere in the United States on you. And I, he said, you got anything on you? And mean any more charges anywhere? I said, no, man, I don't got anything. I ought to be good, you know. He runs it, and Nashville had a hold on me. And I was like, damn. I had gotten a uh, driving on suspended license back a year before, and they gave me six months probation. I never went back or whatever. And so now I got to go to Nashville. And I'm just thinking, you know, you're just thinking the worst of everything at that time. I'm thinking, man, I'm just never going to get out. And uh, so I go to the Metro Jail, and I stay in there from Sunday to Tuesday. I think Monday was some kind of holiday or something. That's why I didn't go to court on Monday, actually. I don't remember what it was. and It was something. And so um, I finally go to court Tuesday morning, and as I'm going to court, they take me there to see the probation officer, and he says, do you remember me? I said, yeah. He said, I don't know how in the hell you do. You only see me one time. He was, you know, he wasn't liking it, but he said, I said, man, I've done 13 months in jail. I've been in jail the past 13 months, whatever. So they just said, all right, they're just going to do away with it. They do away with it. And uh, my brother comes and gets me. And we ride around a little bit or whatever and uh, take me to the airport. And I uh, flew to Houston, Texas. Now, doing so was violating my probation. I knew that was going to happen. Um, and so they did. You know, I was actually sober when I flew to, te to Texas. And I got there that night at like 11.35, 11.45, something. And I remember the heat. I remember walking out of the airport and the heat was just so hot. It was in June or July, I think. July, actually. Um and so uh, I looked at my mother. I was walking up out of the tarmac or whatever at the airport, and I see my mother. I gave her a hug, and I said, I'm going to prison. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I just violated this probation. And so I get to Texas, and it's almost like you, you're not even thinking. Like, I wasn't even thinking about the consequences. And I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, it, like I would think about it every now and then. And then it would just slip my mind, or I'd just push it to the back or whatever. And so anyway, the very next day, I started taking pills again, and uh, so here I'm in Texas, and you know we got all these cowboys and stuff out there, and I, I wasn't a city kid, but I, I was a country kid, but I wasn't no cowboy. I didn't wear boots, and I didn't wear a cowboy hat, or dress, you know, shirts and stuff. So, um, at first glance, I thought I wasn't gonna fit in, but we're really come to find out a lot of women like me, um, and so uh, started doing that. But then I met a girl, and um, she got, we started dating or whatever, and. Uh, she got pregnant, and uh, why we decided to have a baby, I'm not sure, but I was on pills, you know, and they, they say that that slows down your sperm count or whatever, and she couldn't ever get pregnant. So I got off the pills, and I started drinking, but I came up, became an alcoholic immediately, and uh, she gets pregnant. And so, um, you know, I'm working, but I'm drinking all the time, and uh, I become an alcoholic, you know, instantly, what have you, and uh, um then I was like, man, I'm a, oh, no, I got hurt at work. Uh, I was doing, I was putting in columns on porches, basically, and this 
four by four. It was supposed to have been screwed to the ceiling. It wasn't. So it fell from right over and hit me right behind my left shoulder blade right there and cracked some of my ribs. And I go to the hospital and they give me pain pills. That's when I quit drinking and I started taking pills. And um, I uh, was, there was these girls and they were strippers. And I don't remember how I met them. I think I met them through someone else. Like I wasn't fooling with them, but they sold cocaine and crack and stuff. And so um, I would, they would get pills and they would call me like they would trade their cocaine order for pills and I would go get them. And it was in December and it's pretty cold. And I go, I go over there and I tell my son's mother, you know, I'm going over there or whatever. And um, I'm in there and they've got this pipe back down this crack stuff. And they keep saying, hit this. And I was like, man, I don't want none of that stuff. I don't want none of that stuff. And so finally they're like, take a hit of it. And so I do. And instantly I jump up and took my clothes off. Only in my boxers is all I had on. No, I think I was actually, I think I got all the way naked. Because anyway, I'm sitting out on the porch and it's cold out there and I'm just pouring sweat. And I remember thinking, man, I don't know why nobody likes this stuff. And um, my son's mother come over there. And so she sees me sitting on this porch and I'm naked. What she sees behind me is these two strippers in there running around half naked. So if you ask her probably still to this day, I haven't spoke to her in 20 years, but if you ask her still to this day, she'd probably say I was having sex with with uh them women but i wasn't you know i couldn't have had sex with anybody that stuff had me so messed up but so i don't ever know why anybody really liked that stuff and so um she's she's pregnant and then she has him on may the 6th of 1998 and uh i'm on pills and so i had got she figured out a way or whatever call them prescriptions and uh, she calls it in long story short we go up there to get them and and uh I'm sitting in the truck with with Cody and the, our son, and she goes in, but I see this, this Magnolia police officer pull up, and I'm like, mm, oh, that's not good. You know, that old gut's telling you something's not right. And so um, I go in, and I see him sitting there. He's just trying to be all nonchalant. She don't see him. She's not a criminal. You know what I mean? So I'm telling her, nuh-uh, do not get them. Come on, let's go. Do not grab them pills. And so they know what they're doing. They wait and fill them, and they uh, – uh, as soon as they hand them to her, the police arrest her. And I'm like, man. But we had got a secure social security card, and then her brother, and her it was her brother's social security card. He was the same age as me, same color hair, same color eyes. But he was in the military. He was in the Air Force, and he was in Louisiana. So I took that information and stuff and went to the DPS department down there and got a driver's license and his name with my picture on But it was legit. I'm thinking, I'm fine. So they're arresting her. And we go down to the little substation, and I go down there, of course, and I got Cody, the baby, and she was breastfeeding at the time, and I'm in there, and she's trying, she's telling me to leave. She's like, you need to go, just leave, and I couldn't leave her there. And I was like, mm-mm, I can't do it that way. You know, this is all my fault. I'm not going to leave you here like this. I'm going to try to talk you out of this shit is what I was thinking in my mind. Well, the phone number that we used to call them in was her mother's house, and so they had already been calling, talking to the mother, and. And mother's like, that's not my son. That's She gets to my son's birth certificate and reads off my name. Well, they run my name, and they find out I got these this warrants in Tennessee. And so uh, Cassandra goes into the other room to breastfeed or whatever, and I'm sitting there with this cop, and he says, yeah, you're pretty proud of your son there, huh? And I said, yeah. Yeah, he's about three weeks old or whatever, and I was proud, you know, what have you. And that cop said, you know, son, we got laws here in Texas. And he said, I don't know about Tennessee. When he said that, I knew, you know, whatever he said. You can't be having sex with your sister because remember the driver license was in her brother's name. And I just knew he said, so uh, you ever been to Tennessee? And I said, no. He said, well, your ass is going. <laughs> and so uh, 
they take me to jail. They took her to jail too, and there wasn't nothing I could do, man. I mean, they ended up giving her two years probation or whatever it was. And you know, it's it's one of them things that you look back, you know, as you got older and you think about these things. And you know, I'm sure she hates me as she should. And my son doesn't like me too much either because I went away and did all that time. And you know, it, it takes time. Um, I went back. They sent me back to Tennessee. Um, in case you don't know how that goes, they put you in a van. And you're shackled in handcuffs, and you got a chain that runs up. And you may go from Texas all the way across the United States before you make it back because they get paid so much a mile for you. Uh, and that's how they cheat the system, basically, as so many companies and so many people do. They, these, you know, federal contracts, is what everybody wants because they know they can beat them out of money. And so I got back, and um, I told her when they arrested me, I was like, look, you know, we're young. Go on with your life. Just keep me informed about him, send me pictures. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone, but I'm going to be gone a while. And, you know, she immediately, I mean, I had probably been in jail 30 days and she immediately broke bad or whatever. But that was, I knew that she was going to do it, you know, and I expected it. And I wasn't mad about that. I didn't care. Uh, I didn't want to be with her again. No more did she want to be with me. And so I don't think the last few months that we were together, either one of us wanted to be together, but uh, we were together and we were young. You know how it is when you're young. You just think you're in love. And, you know, I didn't love her. Uh, I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, Thought maybe I did, but I didn't. I've only been in love one time in my life. But anyway, so um, I go back and I go to prison. And, uh, you know, the moral of all this is that all that stuff I just sit there and said all comes down to me wanting to get high. It's a very, very sad thing, um, the things that drug addicts do. And, and people think that drug addicts just, just have it so easy. Man, I've been through a lot of different situations, and I'd go through all of them a hundred times over again just not to be a drug addict um, because it's a very sad, just dysfunctional, disgusting way of life. And I thank God every day that I'm sober, and I've been sober for a while. And, you know, even after you've been sober for a long time, you know, certain things start happening, you, your emotions start coming back, and before you know it, man, you're feeling good. And But a lot of people, man, end up with some mental health stuff going on. They're going to depression. They're going to this, have anger, you know, whatever, bipolar, all kind of stuff. And so if if you've gotten sober and you're starting to go through some of that stuff, you know, go get help for it. Go get some mental health. I had to. Um, I went to bed one night, and I woke up the next morning, and I was not the same man. Um, I instantly became almost... I mean, not almost. It was exact to the T, like I was on drugs. Uh, paranoia came. Um, I, I lost weight. I wouldn't uh, hang around with nobody. wouldn't call nobody. I would get up in the morning, and I would leave my house, and I would go sit in a parking lot somewhere all day long and all to the night, to like 10 o'clock. Then I would go home, and I'd go in there. Some nights I may sleep, and some nights I, I may not. And finally, um, I was talked into going to see a, a psychiatrist or whatever they're, whatever they're called. And um, I go in there, and I'm talking to the lady, and I'm going to tell you, man, she was amazing. She, I was very blessed to have this lady as, as my doctor, and I was wanted to say her name, and I can't remember it. So I'm, I'm going to get her name out there because I, I think people ought to see her. But she was just so thorough, and she talked to me. She made me feel like she cared, and, and that's what I needed at the time because I was paranoid of everything. And um, they put me on some medicine, and I got better, and I gained a bunch of weight from it, but that was okay because I'd lost a bunch of weight. It wasn't a big of a deal, but. Uh, I got on the medicine and stayed on it. I thought I was going to have to be on the stuff the rest of my life, and it turned out I what I didn't have to, and uh, that was awesome. Uh, I got off of it, and you know today I'm okay. But um, I told them 
in the beginning, they kept saying, was I suicidal? And I said, no. And I said, you don't want me to be suicidal. Uh, there was a couple of attempts. Uh, I was saved both times by the Metro Police Department. My hat's off to them guys. They're awesome. I've never had them treat me anything but fairly. And that's coming from a lifelong criminal at the time, you know. And so they they treated me well and helped me. And so uh, for me to say that, you know, that ought to say a lot about them. I'm not saying everyone has that same experience. You know, there have been a lot of things they've done that are wrong. But in my experience, for me, um, they helped me. They saved my life. And so I continued on with therapy. And therapy helped a lot. And I finally started opening up. At first, I wouldn't, you know, because in your mind, you're going, can I trust this person? Can this and can that? And um, I learned that I could trust them. And, uh, and yeah, I talked, my, I talked it out of me. So, again, if you're going through something, man, or if woman, whoever, Please talk about it. Please share it with somebody because there is a better way, and it does get better. You know, it's something we hear in these programs and different things or when we're coming in is that it does get better. And I promise you it does. If you'll just give it a shot, it will get better. Just remember that. Reach out to me at dangentrypodcast at gmail.com. I'll help you in the way I can. We love y'all. I'm going to talk to you next time. God bless.